1: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 127 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you uh, a little bit earlier than normal on a Sunday afternoon, but just moments ago, seconds ago, perhaps, the Braves got a win that they de- desperately needed, and uh, joining me to talk about that and uh, a lot else, Scott Coleman, what's up, man?
0: What's up, Brad? It's hard to believe uh, already uh, September is just a couple days away. It's this season. Amazingly, when the team is better, it's funny how things go by so much faster.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is kind of flying along. Um, it's definitely been a more enjoyable season this season, very obvious reasons, which we talked about a number of times. But yeah, it's August 26th. We're almost to September 1st, and that brings another another layer of intrigue with roster expansion and a playoff race and all that fun stuff. We'll definitely get to all of that. Uh, we'd like to start with um, some results stuff, and that uh, makes it a little bit easier because, considering the 4 nothing victory on Sunday. Friday and Saturday were not a lot of fun, and the offense was well, actually not a lot of fun this week, but um, at the same time, the Braves are up three games. It looks like because um, Philly is not won yet, or they're they're about to win. So it looks like it's going to be status quo for today. But not a bad week, all things considered, despite the uh, little minor hiccup on Friday and Saturday.
0: Yeah, to go five and two on, on a seven game road trip, obviously uh they started with the sweep of of pittsburgh and then to to split two and two against miami miami has been playing a little bit better in recent weeks but um you know you take five and two on the road certainly and uh it seemed like whenever the braves would win the phillies would win, and whenever the braves would lose the phillies would lose um so to be up to be up three games with really about a month left to go is uh, is a good thing and uh, starting tomorrow, the Phillies and Nats begin a three-game series. At this point, the Braves are obviously rooting for Washington to kind of balance out the two. And I think really for the Nationals, it's kind of now or never for them. And I would hope uh, they would go into this series with that mindset because being eight and a half games back or whatever it is in the East, uh, and I think uh, similarly out in the wild card, it kind of feels like now or never for them. So maybe they'll help the Braves out and win at least two out of three as they did last week. Uh, to to help help the Braves space things out a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean Washington clearly waved the white flag this week with their uh, with their waiver stuff and there was a brief moment when it looked like Bryce Harper might get traded and all that fun stuff, but they uh you know Dan, Daniel Murphy is someone who uh the Braves, you know, there was a lot of discussion about the Braves potentially claiming Daniel Murphy and they did, they did not do that. I probably would have done that, um, but I understand why they didn't as well. So it's uh, interesting. There's lots of uh, discussions, points with the, with the Nationals as being kind of a disaster, but hopefully they uh, hopefully they will go out and help the Braves a little bit this week, even though they kind of punted. Uh, at least official. I mean, I guess it's unofficial because they still have some guys that can play. They have some uh, they have some talent, but you know, selling off their veterans for virtually nothing basically says, "All right, we're done."
0: Yeah, yeah. Which is so- crazy to think. I mean, you imagine six months ago. We were recording a pod and we'd say, hey, by the last week of August, the Nationals would be selling people off. I'm not sure I would have believed you no matter what you told me.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it led to a lot of people uh, asking you and I and other people about about the waiver trade process. It's always fun every year to find out who doesn't know the, wa- the waiver trade process. It's like, wait, I thought the de- I thought deadline was three weeks ago. And it's like, actually, it was, but there's this whole other thing where you can trade guys through, the, through waivers, and it's a very baseball thing that people don't understand. And I don't blame you because uh, if I'm... If I'm just a, a sort of a casual, regular sports fan that doesn't understand like the deep dive nuances, if I see a trade deadline and then I see trades right. two weeks after that, I'm like, wait, that doesn't make sense.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's it is, it's and it's a weird process when you look at just the windows that teams have to get trades done if they claim someone, and it is weird. I feel like they should move back the the actual trade deadline to maybe like August 15th, give teams a little bit more time to decide if they're in it or not. But alas, it's it's not too big of an issue because most guys. Uh, are able to at least get through somewhat of waivers and and there are some decent trades. Of course, Justin Verlander was the big one last year, and yep. with a couple of days to go, we might see uh, we might see a couple others get made.
1: Yeah, Dylan Murphy would have been nice in a red uniform, but they obviously weren't going to play him every day and all that fun stuff. So here we are. Um, lots to talk about, like little things. Not there was There's not like a huge overarching storyline this week, I will say. And that's kind of been the theme the last couple of weeks. It just, we're in this area where the pennant race is the thing, and that's uh, fun to talk about. But at the same time, there isn't like the big picture, you know, trade rumor stuff or, you know, transactions to really talk about. There's There was one, uh, I guess it's fairly minor, but still still significant. And that's that Ryan Flaherty is no longer on the active roster. He, I will say I, uh, I wrote rest in pre rest in peace, Ryan Flaherty. But then of course now he's, uh, now he's in Gwinnett. It looks like he's going to come back in September. So he's going to be back momentarily, but the Braves finally moved on from him, at least as a member of the active roster, which made everyone, you know, I kind of feel bad saying it made everybody happy, but it was, it was a long time coming. Did you have a reaction to that? And also Rio, Rio Ruiz was on the roster as of, uh, Sunday. I'm not sure he's going to stick around, but they did the, uh, the third catcher thing. It's Kurt Suzuki was, about, was uh, banged up, and now it was Rio on Sunday who might actually have some staying power.
0: Yeah, I think so. You look at the bench right now, and there's really nothing from the left side. Uh, Rio was was having a pretty decent year in Gwinnett, especially against, uh, against right-handed pitching. Of course, he's a lefty hitter. Uh, so it kind of made sense. I wrote earlier this week on the site about potential call-ups once the rosters expand on September 1st, and he was kind of on the bubble category. And, of course, now they've brought him up, and I would imagine they keep him up. He's a guy who spent – I think two full years now in AAA, and and again being a left-handed hitter, the Braves could use it. He got an appearance on Sunday and, and worked a four-pitch walk, which was nice to see. So, uh, you know, as far as Flaherty goes, I think it's pretty clear the Braves only valued him for what he does in the clubhouse and I guess his infield versatility. He's not a good player. Uh, he had those the good month to start the season, and then has something insane like three hits since May 15th, which is hard to believe when you consider he's been a pinch hitter more times than uh, more than anybody else. But, again, if they're going to bring him back in September just to be a clubhouse presence, be the seventh man off the bench, uh, you know, whatever, it's just a matter of Snit not giving him regular at-bats and when, you know, you have runners on base and you need someone to come through with a hit.
1: Yeah, I mean it's September and rosters get weird. Actually, it's kind it's kind of a tangent, but I actually kind of hate the way they do that, the where it's, you know, roster management and, you know, just your day-to-day roster is so weird and like the way they have to you know your your bench is suddenly super deep, which helps some teams and hurts some. I guess hurts some teams because it doesn't uh, it takes away their advantage a little bit. But you know just suddenly having this overwhelming presence of guys on your bench uh, makes it interesting. I don't really like, I don't really like the way the baseball does that to where September is just very different than the rest of the season. Um, but as a uh, aside from that a little aside there, uh, you know Flaherty being around in September doesn't really bother anybody because I don't think he's going to be high on the priority list. Uh, it's basically a situation where he 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 was he was rarely hitting when he was on the roster, and now you have to get into to an extra ending, kind of craziness for him to have a real role, I would think. Because yeah. even when he was around, he wasn't playing really.
0: I think so. And you mentioned about the weird September rules. I like the idea of maybe expanding the roster to thirty men, and but you can obviously fluctuate like that. Your, what you have for your thirty-man roster on a game-to-game basis, something like that. I know some. Uh, I think it was oh maybe Chipper Jones or somebody in the booth had said that once upon a time. A way to one give your team more options, especially as guys wear down towards the end of the year. But as you said, that way you don't have nine hitters on the bench, thirteen guys in the bullpen, because that's when games just get kind of out of hand.
1: I mean, yeah, it's, there, there will be a game uh, or two, I'm sure, in September that are just comical with pitching changes and yeah, uh, yeah. you know twelve pinch hitters and all this craziness. But <laughs> I don't really, I don't, I don't really like to watch that. I mean, it's it's kind of. Um, a playoff level in terms of uh, how many how many moves you see, but also with guys who don't matter. I mean, I guess the Braves have young players that are more intriguing than some teams are. But some teams are just bringing up all, all their quad A guys that don't matter, and it's not really mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, the Braves at least have some guys that we'll talk about that later in the pod about some intriguing names to watch for. Uh, one of them is Bryce Wilson, who I want to talk about a little bit now because he came up in the May's debut. This week, you know, five innings of scoreless baseball. He looked great to me. Uh, and now Annabelle Sanchez, who uh, famously hit for himself on Saturday, uh, wow. is now banged up a little bit. So maybe there's a spot start coming. Uh, maybe, maybe Tukey or Bryce Wilson again, something like that in the near future. But I mean, I, I, I kind of want to talk about Bryce because he looked awesome.
0: Yeah, he was. I mean, he first pitch of the game was 95 and on a corner. Uh, was really impressive with his command and and was honestly pretty dominant. I mean, he he, uh, was locating well. He sat mid-90s with his fastball, used a nice mix of his curveball or or breaking ball, whatever it is he throws, curve slider. And his changeup was really down in the zone and and keeping batters off, uh, off balance and messing with their timing. So he was really impressive. He's a guy who, of all the guys in the system, is having one of the best 2018s of any of the pitching prospects was really impressive, and he teased the, the roster expansion. I think so, he's somebody who's a near guarantee to come up, whether it be in a bullpen role, which I think he could be good at with the stuff, um, or if it's a couple of starts. I mean, the bullpen is, is, is worn out, I think. And this time of year, starting pitchers, it was talked about that uh, I think with one or two more starts, Mike Foltynewicz will set a new career high in big league innings uh, in a season. Sean Newcomb has already met his his career high. Now, obviously, he's only been around for a year, but uh, you just worry, or not even worry, but you just have to be cautious whenever you have young pitchers who are throwing 160, 180. You talk about going into the playoffs, 200 innings in a season when they've never done it before. You got to make sure those guys are fresh. And I think to the you know the Braves' benefit, they'll be able to utilize guys like Tukey. Uh, and Bryce and give him a couple of starts in September and, and feel confident and also let the other guys rest and get extra rest.
1: Yeah, and we'll see what they decide to do in terms of the actual play rotation if that comes to matter. But Anthopolis is very good. And he has a track record of this, of kind of being creative with roster management. Sometimes, when even bending the rules with DL stuff, but right now, that doesn't necessarily have to happen. You have this uh, the ability to bring these guys up, have them, have them have those that one spot start every once in a while, keep them fresh. I think some of these guys are going to be in the bullpen. You have the you know obviously Tukey and Bryce are not the biggest names, but Kyle Wright could be available in the bullpen in September and into the playoffs. Could, there's a lot of ways to make this happen, and I yeah. think you know it's kind of important to realize that especially after a long playoff drought now the Braves are having, I think a lot of Braves fans don't really, uh, hasn't really clicked for them, that like in the playoffs, if you haven't been watching a lot of playoff baseball the last couple of years, things are very different. Like um, yeah. y- you want these long men, you want guys who can go two, three innings of, you know, shut down baseball and starters, you know, your, your good starters matter, but th- your more fringy, you know, four starter may only pitch three innings. Even if they pitch an okay, it's like kind of get you to the fourth, the fifth inning, and then things get oh, a little totally. weird. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just something to always throw out there and keep in mind because, you know, I guess it, it feels like the Braves might have too many arms in some ways, but you can't really have too many arms. It's kind of weird.
0: Yeah, I, I think personally in in the playoffs, no no starting pitcher should see the lineup a third time through. And obviously if pitching, unless you well, have like an
1: absolute it, dominant starter, which maybe he's right. in a groove like that, but he's the only guy on the roster right now that I can really see like getting a chance to go into the seventh inning of a playoff game.
0: Well, notoriously, I think it was last year in the playoffs. Rich Hill had a no hitter or a one hitter yep. through five innings, and the Dodgers pulled him. And it wasn't. And he was obviously upset. But whenever you've been through the lineup two times, and you have a, a dominant bullpen or you have starters in the bullpen to help you go. I mean, it's it's just kind of the way of the game, as you said. Uh, it's interesting. You touched on Kyle Wright as a possible option too. Uh, he actually made a relief appearance yesterday yeah. with the Net. Uh, pitched an inning, struck out a batter, gave up just a hit. Um, getting, getting, getting ready to go. Yeah, I, I think he's another guy. We, I again, I wrote about him earlier this week. Uh, he's already thrown about 135 or so innings this year between Double and Triple A, so they're not necessarily going to want to, you know, pin five or six starts on him in September. But at the same time, you can limit his innings in the bullpen if you needed somebody to to mop up innings. He's, I think, he's a better option as would Bryce or Tukey than say a, a Colby Allard or a Parsons or uh, someone of that of that nature. Uh, It will be interesting to see just how, as you said, Anthopolis utilizes some of his young prospects, and it'll be exciting. I mean, in recent years, the Braves have had the luxury of being able to bring up numerous top prospects, but it was really just to get their feet wet and see what they could do. This year, they're going to be counted on for whether it's big innings or big at-bats to come through, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, you have all the young guys, and then I think people also need to realize that in a playoff series – you're not, gonna, you're not going to use all five-year starters. So, you know, either Anibal Sanchez or even Julio Tehran could be in the bullpen. Um, okay. It's a situation, I mean, especially with the way that Kevin Gosman looks, and we'll talk about him in a second. Like, it looks for all the world as if those are going to be the, the top three starters, you know, faulty Newcomb, and Kevin Gosman. Maybe Julio, because Julio's been really good lately. Uh, you know, fingers crossed there. I don't necessarily believe that new level from Julio, but maybe he's in there as well. But, I mean, regardless, you'll have another starter, starter I guess a guy with like a history of being a starter, I should say. You know, probably being at least available. He I doesn't mean you have to keep that guy in the bullpen, but uh, there's a lot of uh, names that you're not you're not used to seeing in the bullpen that will be in the bullpen if October arrives.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's, it doesn't hurt to have that. And we talked about Anthopolis. He had an interview with the TV guys and mentioned that sometimes, or at least right now, he feels that the in-house guys might be better than some of the outer uh, guys in other organizations who might be on waivers, and uh, they, yeah. they have really four days from now to add to the team. I think it would be a good idea to add a veteran bullpen arm if they could get one through. They've tried to get a Matt Adams and Mark Reynolds from the Nationals and and neither one worked out. Uh, They obviously need some bench help too, but it it helps to have some options in-house, at least in case you aren't able to get someone through, especially since as of recording this, they have the second-best record in the National League, I think the seventh or eighth-best record overall in baseball. They have to get through a lot of contending teams in the National League in order to get to the Braves, and, and it might be tough to really get an impact guy Over the next couple
1: days, yeah, and I think that one bench spot is very obvious. Um, That would be the spot that Matt Adams or Mark Reynolds would have been in, which is currently Rhea Ruiz as of as of right the second. But it's uh, that's a very open spot at this moment. Uh, I think they would love to have someone better than that, um, and obviously would love that as well. it's also the the third catcher spot that they use when uh, they needed uh, when you know Suzuki was banged up. But you know, ideally in a playoff series, they don't really have that like. I guess it's it's Adam Duvall against the lefty, but like they don't really have that guy, I guess, right-handed pitcher that scares you at all off the bench. And that's yeah. something that you need.
0: Absolutely. I, I'm hopeful that they can add someone in thoughtless talk like somebody who is going to make a move in the next couple of days. I hope he does. The bullpen, okay, whatever. You can use the kids. But the bench right now really is pretty thin. Uh, I mean, it, it is. Let's be honest. It's, it's really bad. thin. So yeah. it, they, they could certainly use some help.
1: Yep, and we'll see what they do there. I uh, do. We, we briefly mentioned Kevin Gossman. I want to just ask about him and his general awesomeness because he was really good again yeah. today. Uh, you know, aside from the controversy of taking him out a little bit earlier than people would have wanted, uh, one point six nine ERA over five over five starts so far, and he's basically been. Horizon hittable the last three starts. I, I know, kind of, kind of, they've kind of famously tweaked, and he's only throwing throwing out of the stretch right now. But he just looks fantastic, and yeah. I don't think anybody could have predicted this in five starts. But we kind of alluded to it when when they, when they made the move about the upside that he has, and he's kind of been flashing it since he, since he actually got here.
0: Yeah, I tweeted it out earlier today. So today was his fifth start. He has a very nice one point six nine ERA, very nice two point nine three FIP. strikeout rate, 6% walk rate, which is awesome. Uh, 52% ground ball rate. He's doing a great job of keeping the ball on the ground. Uh, There was an article this past week. uh, It was really well done uh, by B Outliers on Twitter. I'm blanking on his name if he even has his real name on there. But uh, it's worth checking out that the Braves played to uh, their team strength, which was team defense. And they get Gosman. He's a guy who gets the ball on the ground when he's going right, especially with the splitter. Um, And he's able to really pitched to his strengths because the Braves defense is so strong. Uh, you talk about keeping the ball on the ground. One thing that had really plagued him was the home run ball. I think part of that was pitching in Camden and pitching against the AL East. Uh, but anytime you keep the ball on the ground with an infield defense, it's because the Braves are going to be in good shape. So he's been awesome. The fact that uh, they have him for two more years on arbitration at a relatively cheap price is really good too. Um, but yeah, nothing but nothing but great things about him and, um, it seems right now like a steal, especially when you consider what they had to give up uh, to trade for him last month.
1: Yeah, I mean it was a steal already. I think we all kind of thought that, and now that he looks like this, and you know, I'm not. No one, no one should be expecting a guy with a 1.7 ERA. But um he looks the part of a guy you would want long term and he's locked up for two more years. so yeah, uh, yeah should be uh, that should be lauded. I mean, even just five starts of that, you could argue honestly you could you, you could argue that these five starts are almost worth what they paid for him <laughs> like right. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't make that argument, but like it would not be the craziest thing I've ever heard because in the, you know, in the middle of a play, in the middle of a playoff race to kind of, kind of go out and do this for five starts. It's not worth it's it's not fully worth what they gave up for him but it'd be worth what what they gave up for uh, Adam Duval <laughs> for instance, <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, no, totally. Uh, I mean, you look at the return, you are right. Even if they traded for it and Gazan was only signed through the end of the year, I think it would probably be worthwhile.
1: If he if did, did I, this. A, I mean, yeah, I I think, yeah. you know, a lot of the value comes in the future, but if he if you just project him as a as an above average starter for the rest of this season, yeah. I wouldn't have like thrown a fit at the trade. Like, mm-hmm. it wouldn't represent the kind of value that we think it does now with the extra control. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they didn't, they just didn't give up that much. And I, maybe, maybe one of those guys pops and makes us look silly. But uh, at the same time, gosman I think Goss is more likely to pop than any of the prospects. That's for sure. Okay.
0: Well, if you look at it and obviously we're dealing with a small sample here of five starts, but they hadn't, you know, revolutionized anything with them. They just said, nope. Hey, throw strikes, which no duh, throw strike one, uh, because their numbers and I'm sure everyone's numbers, just across the board in baseball, whenever you throw a strike one, you have a much better chance of getting the batter out. Um, and then going to the the stretch only. And that's something that a handful of pitchers have done successfully Strasburg, uh, old friend, Alex Wood. and it's kind of a no brainer when you think about it, you know, okay, you're going to make your most uh, stressful pitches out of the stretch. Why would you go back and forth all game? I think it's something that in five years I would imagine is much more widespread and, uh, they've done a really nice job with him and, and, uh, again, it was it was a strong trade at the time, and, and as you said, it only looks better now. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, and you know, we could we could talk about him a lot, but uh, that's working out quite well. Um, there, you know, in, in the midst of a five and two week, as we talked about at the beginning, it kind of feels funny to talk about this. But there, there are some guys there. They're scuffling a little bit right now. I think Ozzy obis is the one that everyone kind of knows is scuffling. He had a day off today, did, did pinch hit and walk and uh, scored on actually a really, really nice slide on Sunday afternoon, but he's been really bad at the plate recently, and we we'll just start with him. A 55 WRC plus, it's the all-star break, um, kind of speaks for itself, and uh, for me, uh, the bigger thing for me, there, there's a 78-game sample, and that's kind of a random one, but it's, uh, it's where the cutoff point was, where he really started to scuffle. He has a 263, 295, 391 slash line over that time, which is not good. Uh, that's a sub six hundred um, slash line. Um, yeah. Sorry, sub sub, sub seven hundred slash line, and you know, that's, a, that's a, that's like half a season worth of data. He was obviously incredible early. The power surge came out of nowhere. And, you know, it's worth noting that his defense and speed make up for a lot, even when he's struggling, he's not uh, unplayable, but at the same time, uh, recently he's been pretty bad, he kind of looks lost at the plate. And we even got a couple of couple questions about him uh, and his switch hitting tendencies, which I think is probably premature, but um, yeah. ozzy has been bad. So uh, what do you make of the day? Off? I mean, I was cool with the day off today, but what'd you make of that decision yeah. and kind of where he is right now? Cause it's, they moved them, they moved him out of the two hole and there's, there's a lot going on there
0: you know it's you forget that he's 21 i think but at the same time you really do have some pretty serious concerns with uh, just his swing rate and his chase rate and not walking we mentioned he walked today and uh, i think he walked the other night too i but- will
1: say the the walk today was a. Uh- Something that I, I'm not sure I could attribute too much to him. Um, the yeah. pitching was kind of a meltdown in that innings. I mean, he he definitely drew the walk, but at the same time, it wasn't like he was taking you know pitches that were close to the zone. It was a pretty uh, yeah. pretty wild walk.
0: Yeah, they were wild. Yeah. So you talk about a guy who's walked. I think it's now three times, or has walked in three of the last forty games. Uh, obviously, the power has kind of has kind of vanished. Now he was on pace at the All Star break to hit forty homers. I don't think anyone really thought he was going to hit forty this year, but just the one home run in the second half. You mentioned the speed in the defense. That's good. You, you keep running him out there, but uh, he could use a break. I'm glad they gave him the day off today. I hope he can get right with the day off tomorrow. I think the team, anytime you play 22 games in 20 days, you're going to wear down mentally and physically. They need him to get going. I think a lot of the uh, the reason that the lineup has obviously not been very good lately is because they don't have a good number two hitter. And when you think back early in the year where they were seemingly scoring five or six runs every night, Ozzy was really going well. Um uh, that's not the case and they just don't really have somebody who's been able to slot into that number 2 spot and hit well so it's it's a concern but at the same time he's young he's going through his first full season i'm sure he's wearing down a little bit and you hope he can figure things out in the next month
1: yeah, the only thing that honestly the only thing I'm worried about right now is the walk rate and something we've been worried about even when he was hot early we were we were definitely mentioning it on this podcast like he's going to have to draw more walks than he's drawing. Um and it's been a little bit better. You know, June and July was a disaster. I think he walked like 2% of the time for 2 months. Like that's unsustainably bad. Um I mean it's worth noting since May 1st and that I mean he was obviously incredible in April, but since May 1st is 714 OPS and that's not a disaster. Like if you told me that before the season uh, if you told me he was going to have a 714 OPS, play really good defense and run, I would have probably taken that for a 21-year-old. Like, it would have not been great offensively. But, you know, given where he is age-wise and his talent, that would have been fine. That's a playable player. Like, him him playing second base and doing that for a full season is not bad. Um, with that said, you know, I think people got spoiled early on because of how incredibly he was at the plate. Um, and we'll see, what, we'll see what happens now. I'm trying to find his baseline more than anything because if he's going to walk as little as he has – it will um, be a challenge, and you, know, you could. I've seen people argue that the home run success early was a bad thing for him, and I, I can sort of see that because he, maybe he was trying to hit for more power than he actually has. I think we definitely he has more power than we ever thought he was going to have, but if he was trying to be a forty home run guy, that might have not been the best thing for his development at the same time. So. We'll see. I'm, I'm not overly worried. I was cool with the day off. You know, the number two hitter thing we, we could certainly get bogged down in. I would not have. I had no problem with moving him from there. I would not have replaced him with um, which I've said numerous times. But, uh, you know, I have, I have no issue with him with trying to move him down and see what's going on there. I, I generally am I'm OK with that, um, you know, in a vacuum. I think he's still someone that the Braves should be very, very excited about as a hitter. But uh, there are some issues there for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think moving him down the lineup might do him some good. I would like to see him stay down there. We talked about, and we've talked at Nauseam about the number two spot in the order, and there's just really no one there right now, and you hope that somebody can step up, whether it's Ender, whether whether it's Camargo, whether Ozzie can get going again, maybe it's Dansby, whoever it is. um, They need to figure that out because it's such a crucial spot in the lineup, and they've gotten almost no production there over the last month.
1: Yeah, I'm very confident it shouldn't be Ender, but alas, I don't want to get down that rabbit hole again. Um, But he had a nice game today, so there you go. Uh, Two other guys, I know we mentioned off days there. Um, and that's something that people are really starting to ask about Freddie Freeman and Nick Markakis. Uh, sort of weirdly, the last couple days, Freddie has not looked great, which is worth mentioning. People are starting to like get frustrated with Freddie Freeman. I'm like, guys, relax. He's an MVP candidate. Um, but it, it is worth noting that his power hasn't been uh, has not been huge for a long time now. And, and as, as of today, it's about a 60 game sample where he has a 435 slugging percentage, which isn't like bad by any means. But it's certainly not MVP level first baseman what you would think from Freddie Freeman. He's made up for that by having an on base percentage over 400 over that over that span, so it's worth noting that he's still been very good, but uh, some of that stuff, and Frey's been famous about not wanting off days, um, that's something that uh, he does not like to sit, let's just be uh, as, as frank about that as possible, and then Markekis is the same thing, uh, he, had a, nice game, he had, a, had a nice game on Sunday, but before that, uh, he was a, 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 about a 9 for 50 stretch over 13 games, only one extra base hit, his power is really d- uh, diminished, which is not a huge surprise, um, but he's still been very good as well, it's worth noting, it's just a very, it's a very small sample, but what do you make make of them basically never sitting? Because we've seen yeah. Brian Snicker rest the young guys, which is kind of backwards of what you would think. You know, Ronald Acuna's had days off and Ozzy's had days off and Dan's being even Ender. But they really have not ever had Freddie and Freddie or Marquez really sit for a yeah. day. And they had the day off on Monday, which probably helps. But what do you make of that whole thing?
0: I would like to give him a day or two here and there. Now, you know, Freddie Freeman faced the franchise. If he really is going to throw a fit about sitting, okay, and he has, well, we, I think we know it. he has, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So maybe not. I would like to see It's just because they have some options in the outfield right now. Um, I, I haven't, I don't believe that uh, the Rays or the Cubs have announced their uh, announced their pitchers for this upcoming week. But if there was a lefty, I wouldn't hate for Marquez to sit against one just to hopefully get him going better than he is. He's hitting more recently over the last two or three weeks like he did the last three years instead of what he did the first four months of this year. Um, so it'd be good to give him a little bit of a breather. Obviously, we're not in the clubhouse with these guys. We don't know their aches and their pains and kind of their mental state. Um, but you, you do hope that, uh, for obvious reasons, those two can get going and, and they're going to need them. I'm, I'm hopeful that this day off. Uh, they should because they're in Miami. You would imagine they get in uh, you know, early evening tonight and they have all all tonight, all day tomorrow. Uh, you know, Tuesday before the game, you hope they can kind of get a little break from baseball. Cause again, anytime, I don't care how good your team is. I don't care if you're the Red Sox or, or the San Diego Padres, you play 22 games in 20 game in 20 days is, is really tough to do. And hopefully it's a nice little breather for both of them.
1: Yeah, it's not, a, it's not an exact science and everybody, anybody that says it is, is, is lying. Um, I, I will say that Marcus also has a little bit of Freddie Freeman in him. I don't, I don't think he wants to sit. Um, and Again, I, I, for me, Brian Snicker's never shown the willingness to make one of those guys sit. Um, I think he's obviously made some of the young guys sit, but he—if it's Freddie versus Snicker, phrase uh, never sitting. At least, and that's the uh, track record. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Freddie was playing with a wet noodle as a, as a wrist and was still playing every day. So yeah, in, in, yeah. in a non-playoff race, I should add. So <laughs> hopefully, yeah. those guys will at least. I mean, I guess we'll see. I mean, Monday does help. You know, the arrival of that is a very, very good thing. And as you said, they should be getting in by like, you know, seven or eight tonight, which is helpful. So yeah, yeah. have a full day off and we'll see what happens from there. And again, it's worth noting, Freddy's still been good. Marquecas has still been, you know, fine over that stretch. It's just nothing, to, nothing to panic about, but you, you know, frankly, you need those guys, especially Freeman operating at his optimal level, um, as you're trying to peak at the right time here. And Marquecas has been crucial all season long to how good they've been. So got to have yeah. those guys going, um, all right, before we get into some stuff about the future, I mean, I think we can probably do that now. Uh, you're right, I mean, I think we've kind of touched on a little bit on your roster expansion piece. Is there anybody else that we haven't talked about that you think is interesting that could be arriving on September 1st or should be arriving on September 1st?
0: I think the only one we haven't really touched on is Austin Riley. And he was oh, someone yes. I wasn't really sure you know where to put him. And he's really hitting well right now for Gwinnett. And if you, you talk about a lineup that's been scuffling a bit and you hope that maybe you can catch a little lightning in a bottle with him, Um, overall Riley hasn't had a great year in Gwinnett and of course he had he missed the month or whatever it was with uh, with the injury but I think he's purely on the bubble it would be fun to see what he could do though you think about the Braves right now and I'm not sure that you know barring an injury Johan Camargo is not going to sit Dansby's been playing better and the defense is so valuable they have Charlie Culberson who they're trying to get regular at bats for just the way he's been swinging so I think Riley's kind of the one the one question mark. I think it's pretty fair to say you'll see most of the top uh you know, the top pitching prospects will come up, whether it's in a starting or bullpen role. Uh a couple of you know, you talk like a guy like Dustin Peterson, he might be a, a bench option once the Gwinnett season ends. There but, there it is, uh, your boy. Your boy I had Dustin to drop Peterson. There. So he hasn't yep. he's he hasn't been the same hitter since he broke his wrist. Um but I, I think Riley is the one kind of outlier. There hasn't been much chatter with him, at least with the people who have been connected to the Braves. Mark Bowman hasn't really tweeted or speculated on it, which makes me believe it It probably isn't going to happen. But at the same time, would be fun to see him. Again, he's he's a guy who's notoriously always ended the season really well for whatever reason, whether it be by fluke or if he does something differently. Um, he's He's historically had really good second halves of the year. Maybe he can come up and, and give the Braves some pop. It'd be nice if he was left-handed. Uh, he's yeah. not, of course. Um, but I think he's the one which is probably purely 50-50 at this point and might just kind of depend how the next week or so goes. Yeah.
1: In general, I'm of the mind that if somebody can help you uh, and you're in the middle of a playoff race, especially when you haven't been there for a while, I'm okay. I'm okay with doing that. With that said, Riley's kind of – a player I probably wouldn't bring up only because if he's up, he he needs to be playing and he won't be playing. Like he'll be a pure pinch hitter. I can't imagine they're going to actually start Austin Riley more than, once every couple weeks in a playoff race. Um, I might be wrong on that, but they they seem married to Giona Camargo at third base and, um, you know, all that fun stuff. And because of, you know, service time, I'm not sure that he's that kind of prospect, but some people think that he is where service time could be an actual thing. Um, For pitchers, I don't care about service time because pitchers are so volatile. But if you believe Austin Riley is a top 50 prospect, which some people do, uh, some people have him in that stratosphere. If you believe he's that kind of player, bringing him up in September to not play is not a good idea, if that makes sense. So, you know, there's questions about that too. So
0: keep yeah, that in mind. I, I I don't know. It's one of those things where they could they they couldn't. I don't think he's going to play every single day, like you mentioned. I, mean, I don't uh, think he's going to play at all.
1: Honestly, I think he's going to be a, yeah. a a bench bat, which is it can help you. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to assume he he would probably be, be better than Ria Ruiz or whoever else you're using in that spot. But is that gap big enough to justify it? I'm not really sure.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. So he's kind of the one. There's a couple bullpen arms in Gwinnett right now. Um, Klaus and Webb, who aren't on the forty-man roster, if the Braves have a forty-man spot, they might elect to put them on there. At the same time, it does mean you have to pay these guys. Uh, you yeah. know, the big league prorated salary. They might not want to. They might not feel that adding, you know, however many players is worth a million or two million dollars, whatever it comes out to. Without doing the math right now, um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I think. I think for sure you'll see the guys on the forty-man roster get brought up, and it'll probably just depend on if they're able to bring anybody in from the outside uh, as far as, as the other spots go.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just something to keep in mind. Uh, you actually brought this to my attention. The schedule is kind of brutal, uh, the rest of the way. So let's talk about that. Now we, we mentioned the off day on Monday. That's very, very nice. But after that, it's not very favorable this week. They're all at home, which helps, you know, two with the rays, a random one game series with the Cubs, uh, yeah. it's a make-up, makeup at home, yeah. And then Pittsburgh, um, th- those are all at home, and then Boston comes to town. But uh, the schedule can kind of get pretty sick here. I'll let you talk about that, but uh, it's yeah. not super easy.
0: It is. I mean, you really, if you think about it, it seems like the playoffs kind of start this week. And that's not to say, well, if they lose a game, it's you know doom and despair. But at the same time, they have 32 games, only two off days scattered in there. Um, They still have a seven-game West Coast trip where they'll play, I believe it's four with Arizona and three with San Francisco. Uh, You have six with the Phillies left, including the final weekend of the year in Philadelphia. I think the last home weekend of the year for Atlanta uh, is with the Phillies. Uh, The Cardinals are still coming to SunTrust. They're, of course, over the last month, they've been the best team in baseball. Uh, The Red Sox, as you mentioned, for Labor Day, they'll be there for three games. Though the Sox have cooled off a little bit. I think they're starting to prep a little bit for playoff mode. They've really cut back on innings and Chris sale is kind of just bottled up and waiting for, for the playoffs to come around. So it really does feel like it's, it's going to be a playoff battle for the entire month of September. Um, I think they still have a series with the Nationals, and of course the Phillies schedule is is going to open up uh, pretty nicely. I think the Phillies still have twelve games left with the Marlins and the Mets, which is which is a benefit the Braves don 't play the Marlins again this year. Uh, I think the the Phillies have a couple of lower tier teams that they still have left to play from other divisions too, so it's going to be a lot of fun it's It's better than the alternative of instead of looking at the MLB draft order from wins and losses to be looking at a playoff push roster or, or playoff push standings and scoreboard watching every night. Uh, but it is going to be a tough month of September and, and you hope with the three game lead they have going into it, um, uh, they're able to weather the storm and, and get in.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, um, this Miami series was crucial, and that's why today was so big, in my opinion. It seems funny to say that out loud about one game in August against Miami, but if they would have lost a four-gamer to Miami with this schedule coming up, it would have kind of been demoralizing as much yeah. as it can be. Um, to split that is not ideal either, but you know at least getting the split there because there's basically no days off the rest of the season. <laughs> like yeah. and, that, and that, I mean that in terms of... Um, the, uh, in terms of the opponent it's not and they only have two guys off as you said but there's nothing uh, in the way of an easy series on the schedule yeah. really um so that's you know not everybody gets easy an uh, easy schedule down the stretch but you know that having that three-game cushion is very vital right now they do play the six with the Phillies which will probably decide the division if we're being honest with each other um but the rest of it is not easy man I mean even this week is probably a, a spot to take advantage I know the Cubs come to town and, and the Rays have been really good but they probably need to go four and two this week, or five and one this week. You know, preferably, obviously, because um, this is a home stretch. And then Boston, Boston has cooled off, as you mentioned. But you know, Boston will be favored in probably all three of those games in Vegas. I so yeah. mean, it, that yeah. doesn't mean anything. But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. It's like it's kind of a tough, uh, even at, even at home, uh, Labor Day to start that series is going to be a marquee matchup to be sure.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah it's gonna be a lot of fun. I'll actually be in uh, I'll be in Atlanta for the St. Louis series oh, uh, yeah. We're gonna go out for the first time so that'd be cool to see and, and uh, you know again we talk about the last few years compared to this year I hope I really hope they make the playoffs. I don't think it would I mean it would be at this point it would be a disappointment if, if they don't make playoffs to be more or less in first place for a good chunk of the first five months to to yeah, fade in September. I think we're there uh,
1: now in terms of, Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I would have been hesitant to say that even three, four weeks ago, but now that they, you know, three game lead with five weeks to go or less, yeah. it becomes a disappointment if you don't make it at this point, which is kind of brutal yeah. to say, but it just is.
0: Yeah. And especially the division. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm not in the minority when I say I hate the wild card game, especially when, when it's your <laughs> team worst. that's in it. Yes. Um, because just, it's such a fluky thing. I mean, even the Padres would beat the Red Sox one out of every ten times, or whatever, one out of every five times. Even if they played five games tomorrow, it's just a weird sport. But hopefully, they're able to get to division because you look at the rest of the National League, and it's just who else is is out there that really scares you. I think the Cubs clearly, just across the board, their experience, their their lineup. They have they've added Hamels, who's been really good. I think the Cubs are clearly the favorite right now. But in theory, they would play the wild card team. Um, assuming the Braves aren't the wild card team, if they're able to take the division, you look around at who else they, they could play. And uh, being out here in Arizona, I watch a fair amount of Diamondbacks games. They don't scare me in a short series. Oh. Uh, I think the Dodgers honestly probably scare me more than anybody else, though they have some issues right now that they're working through. And uh, they are a handful of games back. Um, I don't believe in the Rockies. I know they just swept Atlanta four, in four games, but they're just kind of living on, on smoke and mirrors right now, and, and every night they seem to come back in the ninth inning, and that's that's great. Good teams find ways to win, but I'm not sure they can count on that. I'm, I'm not sure their pitching is good enough in, the, in September. Uh, the Cardinals are hot, though. You do worry about them coming back to earth a little bit. They're obviously not this good The Brewers lineup is good. The pitching isn't amazing. So you look across the board and, and while I'm not necessarily saying the Braves would go in and and just coast to a, you know, a championship series appearance, it's not the national league of recent years where it's like, well, it's going to be the Dodgers. It's going to be the nationals. It's going to be the Cubs. And you can kind of forget about anybody else.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, people always get on us for not being uh big enough homers. I think on this podcast, um, I will say this. I've said this before on the pod. I think with you, with Eric, and whoever else, the only teams that I think are genuinely better than the Braves in the National League are the Cubs and the Dodgers. And At this moment, the Dodgers aren't even in the playoffs. The Dodgers are two and a half games out of the playoffs at this moment. So, yeah, I mean, the Cubs would scare me, uh, but everybody else, it isn't scary. I mean, the Braves aren't going to be huge favorites either over anybody in a series, but it's baseball. I mean, there's no way that... Either any of these teams, Sands, Cubs, and Dodgers, maybe, is more of a 60 40 favorite over the Braves. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way. So, yeah, I mean, it's, if you want to be optimistic, you can do that. At the same time, as you mentioned, like, I think mean, even, even a bad team would beat a good team in a wild card game for sure. Yeah. You know, one I've ever four even the-
0: times. And even the Cubs being good, it's not like a historic, it's not like it's no. the Red Sox. There and their where, pitching like, is
1: not, it, no. this year their pitching has not been great. You know, you Darvish is not out for the season. Like there's all this, and the Dodgers are super banged up. It's not like this is a, um, there are probably four teams in the American League better than anybody in the National League.
0: So, Easy. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's a, it's a spot where on the bright side, everything's wide open. On the dark side, if you make it to the World Series, you're probably in some deep, deep trouble. <laughs> I would but, happily uh, That's obviously in- a rich man's yeah. problem.
0: I would happily go – if the Braves make the World Series, I would happily get my ass kicked by four games for whoever it is in the American League. You know, yeah, just get there. there.
1: Be, it would be a fun ride to be sure. But yeah, I mean it's worth, worth noting. I, I think people have might even accuse me of being too optimistic now, but I feel pretty good about the Braves in a playoff series against any anybody. I mean the Cubs included. I think the Cubs are certainly favorites over the Braves, but everybody else – I yeah. honestly, pick the Braves most of the time in the National League. So, uh, yeah, there's there's some positivity from the podcast. Um, all <laughs> right, before we get out of here, a couple couple of mailbag questions to kind of fly through here. We haven't we haven't done a ton of them on this podcast, but I wanted to ask you a couple of these. Uh, first one is a sort of a, a one or the other, pretty pretty linear question. It's from Michael Hall. Uh, it, it, he asks, which is more real long term, Dansby's upswing in the last couple of weeks or Ozzy's swoon in the last few hmm. weeks.
0: Um. I think that it's more likely that Dansby continues hitting well than Ozzy continues being awful. Uh, now, I, I, everyone knows I, I'm not a huge believer in Dansby just based on what he's done in his first two or so calendar years. I do think he's showing signs of life at the plate, obviously. And I think he's he's doing a better job of, of laying off outside breaking balls and getting around on inner half fastballs. Um you know, to answer the question, I, I believe more in Dansby playing better than Ozzy being terrible long term. But again, that's kind of a, you know, it's kind of tough to answer, uh, at least for me. What about you?
1: No, it's a it's a, it's a tough question. You know, just one stat to keep in mind here to kind of outline uh, the Dansby surge here. Before today, this is courtesy of Kevin McAlpin. Um, Thirteen game sample, and Dansby had a one thousand and thirty six OPS. Um, it's it's a it's a very small sample, but five home runs over that stretch. Uh, he he did go over three today with a walk um, and famously bunted for no apparent reason um, late in the game. But um, I'm tempted to agree with you. I, I don't think that this is real Dansby, you know, real is not a 1000 OPS. I think we kind of we can kind of all agree on that. Depending on, you know, even the most optimistic Dansby fan probably has to know that a star offensive player is not in the cards anymore. Um, with that said, I do think that it's more likely that he becomes a solid or better hitter than it is that Osby's just bad. Yeah, like, I can't imagine Ozzy is going to be. I mean, Ozzy may not. You know that that first month of it, of this season might be Ozzy's high point in his entire career. That is that is possible. By the way, I wouldn't predict that. But you know, he may. Not, I think he had like a thousand OPS for for a month with what 15 sure, homers, sure. something crazy like that. That may not happen very often. Um, with that said, I don't think he's a sub 700 OPS guy ever again. Yeah. probably for a long stretch. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say Dancy's more real. Although I would I would lean towards neither being real. That makes sense to me.
0: Yeah. Me
1: too. All right. Uh, two more here. One comes from Patrick Mollett, and we actually got a lot of questions about this same topic. Um, if the Braves are able to claim Josh Donaldson, do you think that would be something that they should mm-hmm. do? And do you, th- how do you think that he would help the team? Uh, worth noting that Donaldson is still currently hurt, but the, yeah. uh, he's been a popular topic on uh, Braves Twitter because of the relationship that he has with Anthopolis and uh, his, his third basemanness, but also right handed batter. So.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I wish they had a little more time. I mean, I don't even know if he's officially I think it's been reported that he will go on a rehab start, but We're without <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, I mean you really have about four days now to see him and that's assuming he was out there tomorrow. So um sure, if if Donaldson is able to get into a rehab game the next couple of games and looks like his old self, he's a he is a hell of a baseball player when he's healthy. The issue is the last year and a half, two years he just hasn't been healthy. Um, there's also the contract and money issue. I think he's owed probably $4 million left through the end of the year, maybe 3 million. I'm not sure he's the Braves will have that funding just sitting around. Um, maybe they do, maybe they don't, maybe Toronto would be able to help out a little bit, but sure. If he's, if he's healthy and going right, I'd love to add Donaldson, but, um, it's just tough to say without seeing him and knowing what he's able to do after not really playing really all year since May. Yeah,
1: I wouldn't give up too much value, but because of the fact that he you got to pay him. I mean, it's twenty three million dollars for the season. Obviously, this is a very small portion of the season, but um, if you can get him on the last day of August, that's some. It's still real money that they have to pay. Um, So yeah, it's something to follow the way. I would be all on on board. I'm not sure Liberty Media agrees. I think if you can get him for nothing, um, you know, player wise then sure. Why wouldn't you?
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it would be for a minimal prospect. I mean, it would be a yeah. nobody. Prospect.
1: It basically yeah. would be Toronto trying to shed salary. That's all that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. because he's not been able to be healthy and, you know, look, I, I know, I know Camargo has been fantastic. You can get Josh Donaldson and you can prove he's healthy. He's better than Johan Camargo. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then by the way, Camargo would, would suddenly be your ace bench bat left-handed wise. Um, yeah. Which helps you. So, I mean, I understood the pushback with guys like Mike Moustakis or whoever else at third base. That pushback shouldn't be there with Josh Donaldson if he proves to be healthy. Um, but that's that's a big if as well. So, yeah, there's no question he helps the Braves if he's available. I mean, even even if you just say he's a pure bench player, which is something I wouldn't say, but even even if you said that, that's a fantastic option. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I, if he's if he shows he's healthy again, it's just yeah. the timing might not work out super no, well. No, it's the the it's, money
1: thing. Is the I mean, yeah, the timing, yeah. the health, and the money are three big ifs that have to align. And Liberty Media, you know, Apple said the right, said all the right stuff about the ownership group willing, willing to spend some money, um, but they really didn't have to spend any money at the deadline. Maybe that maybe that's the saving grace is that they really didn't take on much money. You know, Gosman, Gosman and Duvall are both not making much money, um, so maybe that opens the door a little bit. But you know yeah. you still have to convince ownership to pay three four million dollars for a month. That's tough.
0: Yeah, with this ownership yeah. group, I should say they did take on a little bit of money at the deadline. A little I'm bit, sure. yeah. yeah. They, they yeah didn't, they I mean, it was it was some money, and most of
1: it was 28, yeah. 2019 money with Darren O'Day.
0: But right, right, yeah.
1: That's that's something to uh, keep in mind. By the way, in the future that I almost forgot about a couple times, like oh yeah, Braves have Darren O'Day for the twenty nineteen at like a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, All right. One more to get to. uh, This is a pretty easy one. We talked about this before the podcast, you and I, but I think we want to just say it out loud. This comes from Chris Klein. If you had to pick one guy out of the bullpen to get the Braves one out uh, to go to the playoffs, who would you choose? I think this is a pretty easy answer.
0: Yeah, I would go AJ Minter.
1: I agree. It's been kind of funny to see people push back on this. I think there was an argument maybe like in May or June about Dan Winkler because he was so good for like two months. But A.J. Mitchell is the best pitcher in the bullpen. I think it's not particularly close.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean he, if you he, had like... I know, were... I know he
1: was He was bad in that last... I mean, I, I, he did, he, did, he pitched today for the first time in more than a week. Um, he had that really bad blow up to to lose a game last week. on the. I think it was the 18th or 17th. But other than... I mean, he's still been good.
0: Yeah. If you had like a... Yeah, it obviously, it depends on the hitter. If you had an extreme situation... I don't even know if this player exists, but somebody has a... 1200 OPS against left if it's a right-handed batter who has a 1200 OPS against lefties and a 600 OPS against righties Okay, sure. Maybe you do go a Winkler or a Brock or someone like that, but unless it was just some bizarre extreme situation I, Minter mentor would be my guy
1: Yeah, I mean this year in 51 innings um, 3.18 era 2.41 FIP uh, more than 10 strikeouts per nine less than three walks yeah uh, I think he's the best relief pitcher. I do think that there have been times when Aroitus, if he was healthy, would be in this discussion. Um, But I have zero feel on Aroitus Fiscaíno. I know they're they're expecting him to come back um, in September at some point, but I don't know what to say about that at this point. I I mean, it'd be be nice to have his arm available because when he's right, he's quite good. Um, But that's a very big if. And I don't think there's any, anybody else that's really even in the vicinity. I I do think it's interesting that Snickers really trusting Brad Brock a lot. Like, he pitched after Winkler today, for instance. Like, he's become almost the de facto eighth inning guy in a lot of ways. I'm not sure I agree with that decision, but mm-hmm. it's, that's kind of been happening. I mean, I know Winkler has a, Winkler has a better ERA this season than, than Mentor does, and maybe that's part of the calculus, but I think Mentor's true talent level is just better.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, if we can change gears real quick before we get off the pod, people will appreciate it. this. Chris Archer started, made his fifth oh, start yeah. today, and we talked about Kevin Gosman's numbers. Uh, Archer got lit up by the Brewers, which no shame in getting lit up by the Brewers. They have a good lineup. But now through five starts in 22 innings, including some of which against the Braves before he kind of hurt himself on a check swing, he Chris Archer has a 6.04 ERA. It's not going well. Uh, I'm— yeah. I'm
1: not the kind of person that was going to like point and laugh about this right now. I, I do think that Chris Archer is still a good pitcher. Um, with that said, it's not looking great for the Pirates. And it's looking very, very good for the Braves to not get, to give up a fraction of what the Pirates gave up. Um, and I, I we said this at the time. I mean, I think I said this word for word that there was a, a pretty solid chance that Gosman would be better than Archer moving forward. I would not have projected that. Um, but Gosman's true talent level is as good as Archer's in my opinion. He just hadn't, he hadn't shown it necessarily, but yeah, it's not been, man, Chris Archer. I mean, I'm looking at the numbers now. It is, it's really not been very good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm like, I'm with you. I'm a Chris Archer fan. I still don't, uh, we were talking about this, uh, this past week. I don't know what Pittsburgh was thinking. I mean, they gave up a ton. I don't either. And they've lot. fallen apart since trading for him. Now, obviously, Archer is signed for three more years. Uh, Keon Keela is signed for another two or three years. But, um, but yeah, man, that's been that's to been really that, bad.
1: To do that deal in season with knowledge that right now they're three games under five hundred. I mean, I know it's been bad the last couple of weeks, but they were a long shot to make the playoffs when they made the deal. And it, yeah. it, I mean, we we said it on the podcast the the day after that we didn't understand it from from Pittsburgh's perspective, and I stand by it. I mean, it looks even better now, but I, I will predict that Chris Archer is still good at baseball. Um, but it's possible he's just not. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's he's a guy who ha- has two pitches. I mean, he has his fastball and he has a slider, and if one of those two pitches aren't working, it's going to be problems. And I think that Tampa over the years has had such a good defense. And obviously Pittsburgh's defense is not as good as Tampa's and not to the level of – I think that was part of the reason I think that Archer was appealing for the Braves is because he does a good job keeping the ball on the ground, getting out of the AL East. The defense would help him. That obviously hasn't been the case. Not to make this the you know Chris Archer versus Kevin Gosman podcast, but uh, somebody just mentioned that he got lit up today and his ERA is above six since coming to Pittsburgh, and that's not good.
1: Yeah, well, we won't do too much more on that because I I think Braves Twitter every single time Archer gets hit is going to bring this up forever, (laughs) especially if Gosman's pitching well. So uh, that's been happening every single time either one of them pitches. Uh, If it fits in the narrative, then people will throw it out there, which is what they should do. It's fun. It's Twitter. Yeah, uh, that's going to happen for a while now if Archer doesn't clean it up in a hurry. Um, All right. Well, uh, Scott, I look forward to us talking again. Um, I look forward to hopefully catching up with you when you're here in town. But uh, please plug everything. I know you plugged your piece from this week already, but tell people where they can follow you if they somehow do not already do that and uh, all that fun stuff.
0: Yeah, well, plenty of stuff uh, on the on the site this week on Twitter, uh, Scott Coleman 55, and, and obviously at Talking Chop has all the goods there, so make sure you're doing that.
1: Yeah, I have to write something this week, and I don't know what's going to be yet, so I'm taking, taking ideas. If anybody wants to read something um, about the Atlanta Braves that you would like explained or looked at. I'll take I'll take a open and this is an open form. Please let me know what you want to what you want to read about, and maybe I'll do it this week. So that's a good uh, way to use the podcast for good. Or I'm sure I'll get um, some non serious ideas too. So Michigan
0: minute, Michigan football.
1: Yeah, the minute the minute Eric Cole uh, hears this podcast, he'll probably tweet something out about and try to solicit as many bad ideas as possible. Flex <laughs> control me on Twitter, but anyway. Well, thank you, Scott. I really appreciate it, man. Uh, we will do this again very soon. Um, you know godspeed and all that fun stuff and hopefully the Braves will be uh hopefully the Braves will be leading the division still uh once one week from now because that, that's kind of the uh, the calling card the rest of the season it's like all right well hopefully when we when i talk to someone again whether it be scout or somebody else the Braves will still be winning, winning the division
0: yeah here's hoping man it's been a fun year it really has and again if they do fall short in september it's not the end of the world it's still a young team et cetera. Et cetera. but you do you would really like to it would be a a nice way to really come out of the rebuild with a bang to, to go to the playoffs really a year before everybody thought was going to be the time to do it.
1: I would love to watch a non wild card game playoff series with the Atlanta Braves in it.
0: That's yeah. Kind of well, I'm rooting selfishly for the diamondbacks, diamondbacks Braves. Cause I'd get to go up to Phoenix and see some playoff. I've never been to a playoff game. Uh, whether it be,
1: yeah, let's go ahead and, uh, let's go ahead and get a call into the D-backs. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, let's go ahead and get D-backs media relations, see if we can sneak, uh, Scott in the press box or something. That would in, be, uh, that would Phoenix. be pretty
0: cool. Well, but then you couldn't cheer, like, I don't know, I might just, I'd rather probably shell out the money for the You have to, like-
1: uh, you have to get, it's like college football. There's, there, there are people that are professionals at cheering underneath the table. <laughs> um, yeah. because that's probably the the most Homer sport. Without going down too much big of a rat uh, rabbit hole here, college football press boxes are hilarious because more than any other sport, people are actually fans of the team they cover in college football. because yeah, most probably. of them are alums, or you know, there's a lot more of that like rivals kind of stuff that just comes out of nowhere. It's become legitimate, but isn't like that traditional capital J journalism kind of yeah. stuff so it's it's kind of uh, hilarious to be in a college football press box there's a lot more cheering there than there is anywhere else <laughs>
0: yeah yeah that so we'll see it'd be a fun situation either way but i don't really care who they play but yeah hopefully as you said next time we talk they're they're still in first and going strong
1: Yes sir. All right. Well, uh, that that'll do it for today's podcast. Please subscribe to the show on uh, Apple Podcasts and uh, follow us as well. Uh, there's a podcast uh, post, the podcast post on the site for every single show, sort of a listening guide outline of what we're actually talking about on the pod. So, check that out as well and we'll see you guys next week.